Welcome to Climbing the Pocket Network's In the Huddle, where your favorite Climbing the Pocket personalities get together and talk all things Minnesota Vikings. Oh, snap. Here we go. We are back for another episode of Climbing the Pocket In the Huddle. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we got a full crew today. And a special guest in the house. I'm going to go to him first because he's in the car and I don't know how long he's going to be able to uh, have his signal hold up. The good doctor. Eric, how you doing? How you been? Jason, I missed you guys. I've been doing I've been doing well. Um, I guess I haven't I haven't talked to you guys, you know, in person since the draft. Um, I, I I'm excited for the, the Kellen Mond era. I'm excited uh, for, you know, three and a half months of positivity. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I'm excited to go to Minnesota. I think, I think right now my lovely wife, Stephanie, is driving the car. We're in Indiana right now. Mike Pence is Indiana. I feel like I, I just can't wait to get to uh, Miles Gorham's Minnesota. Let's, let's go. Hey, let's you want go. to grab a drink? That. Hey, Miles, let's do it. How you doing, bro? Hey, let's grab a drink, Eric, uh, if you're around. Um, Good. I'm doing all right, man. I'm tired. I'm really fucking tired, man. <laughs> work, 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 work's just been killing me lately, So, I'm, but I'm good. Otherwise, I'm good. All right. Well, let's go to the man that we know is living the right way. The man Flip, you know, we see him globetrotting, reporting in from beach to beach to beach. My man Flip, how you doing? Doing well, can't stop, won't stop. It's it's the off season, y'all. It's not a it's not a time to stay still. You got to get out there while you can before we hunker down in those cold bars with cold beers to watch the Viking season. So I'm doing what I can. There we go. Well, uh, Eric, I know before we went live, you said you were gonna stay positive, but like I said, I don't know how long I'm gonna have you on here, so I gotta ask you about. Probably the thing you said this offseason in like a long list of things that have upset Vikings fans. But the thing that you said that seemed to get people most upset was when you put forth the idea that maybe the Vikings fan base has overrated Andre Patterson's prowess for developing late round players into bona fide NFL caliber players for the Jason Minnesota with Vikings. the setup. Jason with the setup, man. Eric said, I'm trying to stay positive, and Jason said, nah. I mean, I said, I, I said, I said, I have to, I said, I, I had to, I, I had to ask the question, and it's not necessarily negative. I just want Eric to be able to say his piece on this because you know, I feel like his position has been misconstrued by many. And but also not positive. We had folks going to the mat for Stephen Weatherly, and I would like Eric to have an opportunity to retort. Yeah, I mean, look, look. I think the issue have is that hinged on a lot of things that aren't necessarily like the, the the most optimal at defensive line, and in many ways they've gotten kind of lucky in the sense that you know, like, look, I'm going to give Zimmer a ton of credit for looking at Everson Griffin after 2013. He had started one career game and had basically, what, 13 sacks the previous two years, and looking at him and saying, look, this is the replacement for Jared Allen. That's 100% uh, Mike Zimmer. Um, Brian Robinson was a Brad Shoulders draft pick. He was a starter under uh, uh, Frazier. And 
the Vikings approach to defensive line at the edge position was mostly let's play all these guys 90, 90% of snaps, more or less. I'm being hyperbolic there, but it's 90% mm-hmm. of snaps. And, and since they took over, they've never spent more than a third round pick on edge when edge is almost entirely a position where the formula is pretty straightforward. You draft a guy who has extreme athleticism and who is productive in college. And almost always that player is going to be good at the NFL level. If you look at guys who have performed poorly at the NFL level, even high picks, they were guys whose production profile or athleticism profile were not quite up to snuff in college. And so the formula is there. Now, the Vikings have been mostly a good team during the Zimmer era. You know, better, like they're not picking top five, right? So they're not getting their crack at Chase Young. They're not getting either Bosa, right? So so it's a little bit, you know, so I can understand that perspective. But even like with the picks that they've gotten, like Derek Barnett got the game-winning sack in the Super Bowl. Like he was the Vikings pick in 17, you know, after the Bradford trade. Like you can get, you know, edge players with that sort of draft capital that'll be, you know, representable. So what then what do they do? Well, their approach has been let's take shots at guys. And this is also the rest of the D-line, too. Like They have the highest draft capital they've ever used on a defensive lineman, period, is a second-rounder for Yannick Ngakwe. And, you know, after that, it's Scott <laughs> and L. Hunter in round three. It's Jalen Holmes in round four. It's Jaleel Johnson in round four. It's Adi. You know, it's a bunch of guys. And, you know, my point about Stephen Weatherly is – and, and and even um, and even uh, you know, uh, Fatty Adegbo. Like my 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 point about those guys is, if you never acquire high end edge players in the draft or free agency, one of them has to make your team, and and that that's kind of the you know the the thesis for everybody saying that they've played above and beyond expectation is that they've made the Vikings. The Vikings are a pretty good team, so they must be okay. When my point is how to make the Vikings, if the only defensive end you've ever signed, Corey Wooten, right? And the only guy you've ever drafted has been third rounder later. To me, that just says, well, one of these guys has to work out. It's like the guy who picks stocks and he sort of like picks a bunch of them, half of them hit, and then he sends out his next stock pick only to the half that hit and you sort of work all the way down to the last person, 10, 10 stocks have hit in a row when it's really just random chance. Like somebody, one of those players has to hit. If you consistently fill the back of your roster with, you know, low round guys. And the fact that the Vikings have, have three great defensive ends for the last, you know, for basically the whole Zimmer era and have play 90% of the time until last season, we never really saw the fruits of that. All right. Flip. So I'm going to go to you because you you uh, came through passionately in the defense of, of, of one Andre Patterson. So now hearing Eric lay out his case, you know, in person without the character limitations of, of Twitter mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe some of the bad blood arguments, bad faith arguments from others that jump in and maybe poison the conversation. What are your thoughts on Eric's take on the Vikings defensive ends and maybe what last season showed us about the strategy. 
Yeah, you know, it's not something I really feel any sort of way about. It's not, I, I think the the pro-Patterson argument has been construed as, look, he's going he's gonna to develop Stephen Weatherly into a beast, or once he gets his hand on Janoris Robinson, you know, we're going to have two elite edge rushers. And I, I just don't think that's the conversation. I think the conversation is we've seen a defensive coach and a defensive line coach get rosterable play out of guys that you should not typically see play around the league. And the result of that has not been bottom of the basement uh, defense. The result has been top five defenses at times. So given that Corey Wooten, um, you know, couldn't even make the team because they decided to go with a Stephen Weatherly. Given that Afedi Odenabo was able to spot start, that should be enough as long as your hope is not too high for these specific individuals. Now, you know, are those guys going to be the best defensive edge, you know, defensive edges that we've seen? Are they going to rise to Everson Griffin levels? I don't think so. I don't think that's what we're saying here, though. And, you know, I also just find it a little interesting that Eric's complaining that the Vikings don't take shots at defensive end 10 months after he criticized the Vikings for going out and making a big splash trade to get Yannick Ngagwe in the building. So seems like nothing that the Vikings can do at that position is really what Eric wants them to do. Well, uh, here, I'll say this. I think... Well, for one, the, the issue is almost always when the Viking, even when the Vikings took Danell Hunter, right? Danell Hunter, mm-hmm. I think, was a great, like, uh, long shot. You take a great athlete without a ton of production, you get a good, you get him for cheap in the draft, but you have the the safety net that Brian Robinson and Everson Griffin represents when you took, you know, uh, Jalen Holmes, Scott, you know, not Scott Craig, you took Jalen Holmes, you took... Stephen Weatherly. You Scott took, Crichton, uh, too, though. Death. Crichton's in there, too. Crichton. Yeah, when you took those but, guys. But when they took you, him, they had the luxury of guys in front of them. Correct. Yeah, like they didn't. Like right now, the hope, the great hope is that the great hope isn't that these guys are going to end up being good backup defensive ends. Like that's not really what I'm concerned about. Like the hope is like one of these guys ends up being a starter for the Vikings, right? And that to me, that bar, that bar. It, other than Danell Hunter, so you can you can grant Hunter to uh, Andre Patterson and and Zimmer, and I I, I will fully like I think he's an ama- I think he's a superstar, um, but like Danell Hunter was only supposed to be a backup defensive end, and like mm-hmm. every one of these guys is like they they're hoping that this guy steps in and, and is a comparable you know a good end. And I, and I just don't see that happening. My gripe against the Yannick Ngakwe trade was Yannick Ngakwe simply isn't that good of a defensive end. Like, if you look at his pressure above expectation, he's just simply not a lead end uh, for a team. And I think the market bears that out with the fact that he's going to Las Vegas and he's not even a starter there uh, in his second contract. Jacksonville, he was great on a defensive line that had Calais Campbell, Dante Fowler, Marcel Darius, and guys like that. Like, my gripe with with Yannick Ngakwe was like, if I'm going to spend premium cap, you know, premium money on the end, 
or premium, you know, draft capital, I guess, on a defensive end for a rental, he better be really good. And, you know, he did lead the team in sacks, but I don't think he was all that productive from a pressure standpoint. Okay. There we go. Miles, I'm just going to let you wrap this one up for us here. Uh, Steven Weatherly, uh, Ifedi, do you consider these players to be good players? Like when you compare them to like the league average, like would you consider these to be like league, league average players, above league average players, below league average players for the Vikings? So I would say for both those guys, I think, I think Afadi, based on what we've seen the last two seasons between the both of them, Afadi's probably better. Um, but overall, I don't think either guy is truly like the guy you want as a starter on your, on a good defensive, on a good, on a good defense. I think as a rotational piece, I'm fine with either guy. I think if that was the expectation for those guys, I'm all for it. I think where the issue lies is the Vikings are hoping there's there's no longer this. We hope someone sticks. It's a, one of these guys has to be our starter. So it's not even just hoping yes. someone establishes themselves to be good. One of them has to start. And so even if they're not good, one of them will have to start. And it's just kind of this throw it at the wall and, you know, <laughs> he's someone's got to play the snaps. So we got to throw somebody out there. And it's, I understand that. I understand that Weatherly has the experience with this defense. I understand that he knows what he's doing within the defense. So I, I, there, there is something to that. It's not just nothing. So it's not like Weatherly's just this guy that they brought because they think there's something there. I think this Weatherly at least brings a level of knowledge of the defense, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not, and that's not, a, that's a good thing. But his level of play isn't up to what a starter should be, especially on a, on a team whose defense was really bad in, in 2020 and is looking to improve in 2021. And that doesn't mean they won't now are, won't improve because of him, but they're going to improve. They'll probably improve dis, uh, in spite of him because he probably won't do as much as you're hoping your your right yeah right starting defensive end will do, and because he's not going to help create his own pressures. He's going to need the guys around him to help create, and he's going to need Zimmer to help create the pressures for him in a lot of creative ways because he's not going to do it in a one-on-one situation most of the time. Yeah, right, Miles. I mean, the 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 issue that I have is not is not like the approach they took three, four years ago, which was mm-hmm. already have two good defensive ends and shoot for the moon and like. You know, I also when you don't use free agency money, you don't use high draft capital on edge. You can use it other places, right? And like that's like wide receiver. Oh, yeah, like wide receiver. I mean, (laughs) they've chosen to use it. They've chosen to use it like center, and like I mean, they've actually drafted. You know, like running back. You know, Brian O'Neill's a good player, and Justin Jefferson's a superstar, and all that stuff. But like, so I get that approach. When you look, you're you're robbing Peter where Peter is a backup defensive end to pay Paul when Paul is a is Teddy Bridgewater at the back end of the first round or Anthony Barr at pick nine or whatever. Like I get it. The problem is we've like projected that you know relative success, I guess, into a situation where it wasn't intended, which is you actually only have one defensive end, and that's a question mark given his health and his happiness with his contract. And and you're and you've really only gotten one starter out of that entire process, and that's over a what six seven year stretch. And you need these guys. You need as as Miles says, one of these guys to play. 
and to play effectively. And like, you know, I showed you guys this, like Weatherly has been a below average seventh round edge player, not, not just like a starter in the NFL. And, and that, again, it's sort of, again, like that's nothing against him. He's in a, he's a seventh round pick. He's about what you would expect a little bit below that. But when you're, when you're saying, okay, now you're a starter, like that to me is just a, a difficult proposition to make on a defense where you kind of have to shoot the moon to get back to where Zimmer wants the defense, because you also have question marks, interior defensive line, cornerback, the other safety position, you, the, the first safety position with age and, and that kind of thing. To me, that's where I get a little bit frustrated when I, when I hear, you know, sometimes like, Hey, this defense is solved. And it's like, I'm not quite there yet. All right. So with that said, Eric brought up uh, a point that uh, some viewers have brought up in the comments, something that Miles brought up for us to talk about uh, before we went on, which is just the general health of the roster overall. So flip, you know, there's been a couple of things, mm-hmm. obviously, Denell Hunter, that's a, a big question mark. We don't really know what's going on there. Uh, he's unhappy. We still don't know what's going on with his health. Uh the Vikings have obviously identified cornerback as a as a place that they would like to bring in some more depth. Um, we had a viewer ask us about linebacker depth, and as Miles says, you know they're going to get that worked out before the offseason is over. Uh, Flip, as you kind of look at the Vikings roster, where it is right now, uh, what are you expecting to happen between now and the start of the season? And I know that you've already said, like, you don't want Zimmer to have all the things if he is, you know – the guy who's supposed to coach us up and this off this off season does seem to have been a lot about him. Um, yeah. Where are you at with the, with where the roster's at and what are you hoping to see here over the next couple of months? You know, I, I'm honestly, I, I know miles and Eric have their wish list. You too, Jason, I'm happy with where the roster's at. Uh, it's, it's a young roster and so many of the, I think the pain points we're seeing with how we're looking at this team especially when you're comparing them to, you know, two, three, four years ago, is this roster is way younger than that 2017 team that competed, than that 2018 team was that was supposed to compete. And when you have a young roster, you're going to have a bunch of unknowns across the line from Daniil Hunter. Uh, You're going to have unproven linebacker depth behind Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr. You're going to be asking a lot uh, from – from guys like Chad Beebe and, and uh, Amir and, and BC Johnson and even Irv Smith. I mean, people are talking about Tyler Conklin right now too. Those are a huge set of unproven players. You're hoping that two to three of them work out, honestly. And then I think that's what moves the conversation from, you know, what can this roster actually do in terms of winning games? Because when you have that youth, when you have that many question marks, some are going to hit, some are going to miss. We certainly have to stop sit he, sitting here and saying, pretending that they're all going to miss. They're not all going to miss. We're going to get some surprises and some positive variances from all these young unproven guys. And the reason why I'm happy with the roster is I'm excited to see what it goes. I'm excited to see this kind of, boom bust team that the Vikings have put together the last thing I want to do is cover up some of these young guys and and prevent some of that excitement from happening just because we've got you know a a more 
a more rec- recognizable name at cornerback or at linebacker. So I'm happy. I'm not here to say, you know, all these young guys are definitely going to dominate, um, that there's some unseen force. But when we see these guys, you know, when, when Justin Jefferson's trots out there for week three or when Audie Cole trots out there, you know, both of those things come with some fun and enjoyment with them, even if they work out or not. Look, I, I think Vikings fans are still mad that Audie Cole. Yeah, I was at Audie Cole's first career start at uh, Lambeau Field with my late uh, uncle, and look, he had like 14 tackles. He was amazing. That uh, those were the days, <laughs> the, the last real ratty Vikings defense prior to 2020. Look, I flip. I agree with you. I think that there's obviously yeah. that. That's where my expectations, though, like travel, right? So when you look at mm-hmm. this team and you say, okay. There, you're talking about 15 draft picks last year, uh, a similarly big class this year. Um, you know, players that Vikings fans should be excited about. Christian Derrissaw was a terrific draft pick, in my opinion. Not necessarily like I'm. You know, you can look at look at the whole Justin Fields thing and think to yourself, okay, what could have been? But you, that that shouldn't detract from the Derrissaw pick and how good that was. Um, you know, I, I you know I like. You know, I like the subsequent picks as well. Um, the The issue, again, is almost always like, okay, what are the expectations for this team? Like, do we expect them to win nine games? Do we expect them to compete? Like, the NFC North, like, I think Detroit's making a gamble that in three years the whole division's going to be up in flames because they're not trying to win this year. They're pushing everything forward. The Bears have what could could be the best quarterback in the entire draft. Um, but he's also going to Chicago, which is a place where quarterbacks die. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> like, I mean, that dude's vacationing more than flip at this point. So like that, he may very well be retired. So, so you look at that division, right? Like you look at that division and if I'm positive, I think to myself that division set up about similarly to 2017, right? which was a combination of the Vikings playing great football and the division giving them absolutely no resistance, right? So when I'm positive, I sort of think that way. On the other side, I look and say, okay, when Randy Moss had 17 touchdowns in 1998, he had 11 the, or 10 or 11 the following year, right? Like when Justin Jefferson puts up 1,400, like is that, a, is that the start? Like, we, like regression is almost always the rule. Kirk Cousins has had two straight seasons that are, if not his career year, close to it. Dalvin Cook the same. So the problem, and, and it was a problem this way with the Twins forever too. It's like you you can't necessarily fix all the great things, you know, keep them fixed. You know, you can't keep, hold them constant and fix all the bad things and and expect, you know, and expect that result. So the, for me, the biggest question mark going into the season is what are the Vikings going to get out of Jefferson, Cook, and Cousins? Because if those guys play, you know, up to what they played last year, and 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 some of these coins flip that that flips talking about come up heads, they could be a pretty good team in a really bad division. And I think that's the positive thing. Now history would suggest that some regression is going to happen to those three guys. If that happens, I think it's going to be tough for them. But if it is, even if it is tough for them, the positive, of course, is what Flip is saying, which is you get to find out about the Troy Dyes, you get to f- find out about the Chaz Surratts, you get to find out 
uh, about all these defensive linemen they've taken over the past two years. And you get to see an offensive line sort of like possibly grow up together uh, for the first time since like probably the late 90s. So that, that, you know, that's the positive spin on it, in my opinion. Eric, question for you. Uh, because I know that you came on, you wanted to be positive, and I, you know, I threw a monkey wrench in that right out the gate. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of players that we, there are a lot of unknowns. So, from your perspective, what you know, which, which players on the Vikings who haven't broken out yet are the most likely to do so in the coming season? Uh, most likely, uh, I think Cameron Dancer is probably the most likely. Um, I think he should have been a first round pick. Um, the Vikings, I think, got a pretty good steal there. The player, to me, that's the most important, though, a young player that needs to absolutely have a great season for them is Irv Smith. Like, Irv Smith needs to be uh, an absolute – Irv Smith needs to be a force for this team because they – we were talking earlier today about Eli Manning and Kirk Cousins and, like, you know, Eli was absolutely brilliant in 2011. But people forget how great Hakeem Nix was, how great Victor Cruz was – and had the game-tying touchdown in the NFC Championship game and the, a catch that got the Giants out from underneath their goal line in the game-winning drive in the Super Bowl. Like, the Vikings currently do not have a third option that is anywhere near where even Mario Manning's team. Irv Smith needs to elevate I like himself. Mario Manning um, too. You know, that option. <laughs> yeah, like, he, like, he's fine. He had 900 <laughs> yards one season, but, like, yeah. but – but you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they need they need a third guy to step up and be like a bona fide playmaker because right now, like their problems the last two years have been, you know, they've been really good when they've been able to play football right handed. But a good third receiver lets you play football left handed when the other team takes away your your right hand. So Miles, who who's the who's the top candidate to be Mario Manningham on this team? Is it Irv or the field? Is there a, like if, if those are the options oh, you're given, that's Irv a, okay. or just like anybody else on the roster? What are you picking, <laughs> Irv or just oh, like if, the if other we're not dudes? just saying wide, if we're not yeah if we're not just saying wide receiver, it's definitely Irv. I mean, and he's going to get the opportunity to be that guy. There, I mean, they drafted him. I wish nothing against Rudolph, but I think when you draft an Irv Smith with the 50th overall pick, spending two years to ask him to develop, I think. They probably should have made this move last year, in my opinion, where he started to yeah. become the number one tight end. They didn't do it early enough. I know Rudolph got hurt, so you got to see a little bit more. But Irv also got hurt. So I, there's a little bit of that that tough situation. But overall, um, I'm excited to see Irv Smith. But the tough part is the Vikings are in is if he breaks out, you just have to pay him early. And if he doesn't, what does that look like long term? There's, there's a lot of questions. But at the same time, I'm excited to Flip's point. I am excited to see it play out because – I do think Irv Smith has a chance to be a really good player, a really good tight end, and a guy that could be a mismatch um, that Kyle Rudolph wasn't. And that's nothing – not trying to say anything negative about Rudolph. Rudolph had a really good role with Minnesota. He was good for this team. And where my issue lies is they had Rudolph. They didn't do anything to replace – to add another weapon to replace Rudolph. Even someone to like – I mean, yes, Conklin can step up and potentially be that guy, but – they haven't done anything to truly like add another weapon to this team. So yet you're asking a lot of Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin to to become those guys. And I think both guys are have a chance to be good in this offense. Um, I just worry that are they going to be good enough to help 
Irv's or to help Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to take enough attention away from them to to hurt a defense enough to where the offense can continue to move when Jefferson and Thielen are are double and triple teamed on every passing play because that's what's most going to happen for most games because that's what the way this offense is built. Of of all the you know depth places that we talk about adding talent to this team, I think tight end was actually the one that shocked me the most. And it speaks a little bit to, you know, the scheme that they're going to run last year was very tight end heavy. They've been tight end heavy for quite some time, um, especially with the zone running scheme, the play action pass, but without Rudy, you know, you're a, you're an Irv Smith injury away from Tyler Conklin being your one and only tight end. Um, but again, part of that is scheme and not really knowing how Clint Kubiak is going to use these weapons. We, I thought we would find out more in the draft. Um, I thought they would go offense in the middle rounds. They did go offense. They went offense with the quarterback. So it was, with the quarterback and then um, and the running back. So we still don't know how they're going to use these guys. And I, I find that really interesting because they have a bunch of young weapons, bunch of unproven guys really around Adam Thielen and Dalvin cook. They could easily just line up and, and run Dalvin cook into the ground or Clint Kubiak could come and start having some fun with, Kenny Nwangu and ISM and Irv Smith Jr. So we'll see. Okay. Flip, you mentioned that you don't want the, you, you didn't want to see the Vikings just kind of cover up weaknesses and uh, like stunt the development of some of these younger guys. A lot of people are happy that the Vikings are going to have some money to spend here in the next uh, little bit. Who would you want to see the Vikings spend that money on? Or are you looking to just have them roll that over into future years? Roll it. Get get your extensions done. Get Brian O'Neill done. Get Daniel Hunter done. It would be it would be a travesty if they went and they saw and they spent some money on one or two vets right now and then had Daniel Hunter, you know, hold out in camp. That'd just be the worst case scenario for me. But I, I so I think you. You hold, you plan to roll it, you get O'Neal done, you get uh, Harrison Smith done, and you get Daniel Hunter done, get those extensions done, and let this young team be young. I know a lot of fans want to see it all in 2021. That's just not me. Let this young team be young, see, see what comes up heads, see who hits, see who doesn't, and then you've got more cash to go and fix that for 2022. I mean, the the offseason strategy is one that suggests that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are going to be here long term. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the quarterback. So with that said, um, what what are your expectations for the team? Flip, I'll start with you and then go to Miles and, uh, and I'll bring it home with Eric on this. And I guess before I do that, Eric, what's the line? What's the win total for the Vikings right now? What's the betting line on that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, the, the like, I, I'm the first to tell tell folks, fans, that the market hates their team. But, like, the Vikings opened eight and a half. It was shaded under. And it's – people are betting on Minnesota. People are betting on the Vikings. Their win total now is nine shaded over. So, like, 
We you've seen the win total. I think a lot of this is Green Bay's tumultuousness. Um, but yeah, if you bet nine under, it's basically even money, which is you know, which means that people think the Vikings are at least going to be nine and eight this year. Um, so yeah, I mean the mark the markets were buying into Minnesota last year too. Um, you know, I think I think people are selling on Green Bay a little bit, which you know may or may not be a good bet. But yeah, right now I think. The market has the Vikings about a, about a third of a point better than the average team on a neutral field, um, starting with Cincinnati, their three-point favorites week one. Wait, where is, so where's flip, Green Bay right now? I'm trying, to hit that, I'm trying to hit that over. <laughs> uh, the, win total, the win total for Green Bay is actually taken off the board. Um, Miles, you told me there was, a, there was a 10% chance Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. He might not be, but I, it's, it's something to take a chance on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. retire. Yeah. Well, so Flip, where are you yeah. at? Wait, what are you betting? You betting the over? You betting the under on the Vikings? Uh, I just I don't see a lot of people going. You know, ten, eleven wins for the Vikings. Even the most passionate fans, I think, can look at the roster and understand where it's at. I, I mean, I would certainly love to see nine wins. For me, it's about what does that nine wins look like when you look at the viking schedule nine wins is honestly it's like five and two out of the gate and in that scenario you have a lot of young players that are contributing right out of the gate um before hitting a really tough stretch um during due to just like all the tough games down you know dallas baltimore green bay chicago all those games down the stretch are going to be tough. So if they rack up, if they come up and rack up, you know, four or five wins out of the gate and end up at nine wins, that's enough to build one, build on. Alternatively, if if the young guys take time and they they you know let's say they start five hundred, they start three and three, um, before adding six more wins during that tough stretch of the schedule that also is going to be really encouraging to do with the third youngest team in the NFL. So I don't, I think some people see eight or nine wins as a slight. I, that, that almost excites me when you think of what that actually translates to, what that actually looks like on the field. Okay. So is it eight or nine wins? Are you at eight and a half? Nine. Let's go nine. Let's go nine. Okay. Nine miles, where you at with it? Uh, with the nine wins, I'd probably hit the under, but I think I'm with Flip in that age of nine. Where I struggle is the I don't want to get into a big rant on this because it's 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 been done to death. But the Justin Field situation, if our expectations for this team in 2021 is really just going to be like, uh, I hope they make the playoffs, but if they don't, whatever, we just want to see the young guys play, they should have made a move for Justin Fields. That's that's just my honest opinion on that. I'm not like I said. I'm not going to go too far down that weeds because I know it's been talked to death. But if that's what our thought and our expectation is for the team, they should have just they should have just gone all in and gotten Justin Jefferson or Justin Fields, excuse me. But um, but since but since it's over and they didn't, whatever. Um, I still believe the expectation should be higher because even if even with a young team, you have an established quarterback, an established and a veteran coach. Um, the offensive coordinator, I understand that there's a question mark there, but overall with like the core pieces of what your team is, it's, it's veteran led and high end led. So like Kirk cousins has played well the last two seasons. 
You know, you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, arguably one of the best duos in the league at wide receiver. Um, you have a good young secondary in Dantzler. Um, Harrison, Harrison's not young, not young, but, you know, he's still elite. Um, we don't know about Gladney, but, you know, hopefully Patrick Peterson can at least play better in this scheme than he did in Arizona. So, um, you know, then you have Daniil Hunter, Eric Kendricks, and Anthony Barr, one of the better off-ball linebacker duos in the league. So, um, and you have a, a veteran pair at defensive tackle. So there's a lot of, like, veteran-led key positions for this team. So I struggle with just, like, being okay with eight and nine. And I'm with you, Flip, because I think that's kind of where they're at. But I struggle with that being, like, okay. And I think I, and I think that's where we as fans should expect more. I'm not, I'm not going to ex- – I'm not saying I expect more in terms of what I think is going to happen. But I think that the team should be doing more to make sure that that they're not just eight and eight and nine or nine and eight. This team should be trying to do everything they can to be 10 or 11, uh, 10 or 11 win team. Because we talked about before the Packers are, we don't know what the hell the Packers are going to be. The lions are, are just trying, just begging for 2023 to get here. And um, Chicago, we don't know. And so it's there for the Vikings to take, but I still don't think they're, they've really done anything to take it. And now they, just because they have cap space, that doesn't mean they should just go and spend on whoever's available. It doesn't mean they should just go throw draft picks at any veteran um, on a team that is willing to trade for them. I get all that. I'm not saying they should just go spend all that to go do it, but I don't think they've been aggressive enough in some key areas to make sure that this, that they're an actual playoff team, not a fringe. We hope things go our way playoff team. And if if they you, don't, if you give me this roster with Gary Kubiak instead of Clint Kubiak, I, I would say 11 wins right now. Uh, I, I just I honestly think offensive coordinator is that big of of a swing here. So. That's fair. No, that's fair. I mean, I yeah. that's where I would I would just say, then why not give him more weapons and just like do as much as you can to help him out? I think they did a really good job at offensive line uh, weapons wise, though, I just don't think. Like, if you really are worried about your your green play caller, make sure that there are weapons that can help overcome any issue he might have as a play caller. That that's just right. How I look and at so, it. so what they've done is they've tried to give him the offensive line to do that. Um, but I also just like we're we're gonna give a we're gonna trade up for a you know a top tier quarterback and put him in the hands of a rookie offensive coordinator, like that also does not make sense to me. So, you know, Clint What do you Kubiak mean? What do you mean? Stuff- he, didn't ha- he didn't have to be the starter year one. I'm not saying they, should, they shouldn't have traded Kirk afterwards, but they probably wouldn't have still. Even if they had gotten Justin Fields, I still don't think they'd trade Kirk Cousins. So Fields sitting for a year doesn't seem Can to be Clint a problem Kubiak to me. Can Kirk a quarterback? Well, we're asking him to deal with Kellen Mond, so I <laughs> – I mean, and yeah, without without spending any capital to do it, it's like an entirely I, different bet. I, I also, I also think. I mean, I mean, Colin Bond well, is basically. Quick, go ahead. It's a shot in the dark. I get it, but what I think we overvalue is the amount of development a coach gives to a player. If Justin Fields or Kellen Mond are going to be good, yes, coaching is going to help them, but they're going to find a way to be good. Like. They're going to find a way to be good enough. And, yes, I'm not saying coaches don't help. I'm not saying coaches don't don't develop players. But there's only so far and so much a coach can do for a player. The player has to do it for themselves. 
Like we're just not we're just not going to agree on that. There's just a long that, ass uh, list of good quarterbacks that have been put into bad situations. I'm not saying, yeah, but, but like the the financials of the NFL are such that you almost like that's the side of the not drafting Justin Fields that I kind of understand actually, which is that Kirk's playing this year. It's also why I understand why the Falcons didn't take him because the the real the benefit in the Vikings. They, yeah, the, the benefit that you're, that, of a rookie quarterback is how cheap they are. And if you're going to spend more than one draft pick to take on a, a rookie quarterback, you probably have to play them right away to start or to start to to see that to press that edge. Right? We've seen numerous situations mm-hmm. where guys like Goff who aren't that good, Wentz that isn't that good, those guys end up being good enough to win championships with. The problem is, is the Vikings, and this is like, this is back to my whole, you know, they should have traded for Jameis Winston thing, which is just like, <laughs> the thing I like about Mond is that Mond is somebody, if they're one in five, we can look to and say, they should play Kellen Mond just to see what they have. None of us, 100%. not 100%. a damn person mm-hmm. was, say, was last year was saying, we need to see, uh, we need to see Sean Mannion. Just to see what we or got, Jay, right? or Jake like, Browning, no, or or Nate or Stanley, Jake, or whatever. Yeah, right. All those least, guys. I I appreciate the Kellen Mond draft pick a because I think Kellen Mond's a little yeah. underrated, and b because he at least gives you that, and that's what like that's what they could have had when they're working with this plus one with Kirk. When it's like you sort of have to make a decision about Kirk in year n plus one when you're playing year n, right? Like that's so. But I can understand them not taking fields. I can understand them not like throwing extra draft picks onto the pile for it because he would have had to sit for a year or you would have had to have Kirk on a, on a humongous deal and the edge of having a young quarterback simply isn't there. And we've seen historically that even though every single subsequent draft class looks bad at the quarterback position, ultimately guys tend to emerge like Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow, like, Next year, there's going to be some quarterback who we're not even talking about right now that's a top-five pick, and the Vikings will have a chance at that player next year if if applicable. So I, right. I agree with you guys in the sense of the Vikings under Zimmer have never started out fast and fizzled off except for 2016, and that was a weird year. I think you know they get the Bears in December twice which is not great for them because if Fields is awesome, he'll be more awesome by then. Um, they have the Packers and Lambeau late, I believe. So Flip's right. Like, they have to get out to a good start. But I think that benefits the Vikings. If they get off to a good start and win 11 games, then I'm wrong about Zimmer, and they probably should <laughs> buy into that coaching staff for a few more years. If well, they will, and that's what they'll really- do. And they will because of the Wilfs, right? Like, no doubt about right. it. If they're bad out of the gate, if they start less than 500 in the first month, they're going to win four or five, six, seven games. And then we'll all get to see Kellen Mond. We'll get to, you know, they'll get to move on at the head coaching position, possibly the GM spot. And to some degree, both of those outcomes are way better than them winning exactly eight or nine games. So, like, I agree me, with that. I agree with that. That's where, that's where I see it. I, you know, I have a couple bets on the Vikings. I have one of them at plus 400 for them to win the <laughs> NFC North. I have, I showed Jason this. I bet on them week one against Cincinnati heavy. And 
Uh, what'd you bet? What was the, told, what'd you, what'd you bet on that week one? What was the, was just the, that they, uh, I bet the over on the, I bet him, uh, the just win, okay. baby. Minus 160, I think was what, what it was. Okay. Um, and for their win total, I do think the only way you can go on nine is under, but I'm not going to pound the table for it like I've done in previous years because I do think that this is a much improved team. And, you know, nine was their win total last year. They get an extra game to do it this year. I don't think that they're any worse than they were going into last year. <laughs> All right. So, Eric, I want to get you out here. One more positive thing, because we had a fun conversation in, uh, in the other group chat today about uh, – quarterbacks who are like Kirk Cousins who have made it to the Super Bowl and what their teams look like. So nowhere where we're almost at time here, but quickly give me the list of quarterbacks that are similar to Kirk Cousins, whose teams have made the Super Bowl and point me to potential similarities we could see or things we should be looking to see from this Vikings team. If we're hoping to, uh, to match that with, uh, with the quarterback that we have now. By the way, there is a good bet at Kirk. This is like sacrilege for me to say, but Kirk Cousins at 50 to one is actually a pretty good MVP bet. He has the same odds as Jalen Hurts, which just to me seems absurd. But insulting. Like we were talking, we were talking about this on the on the PFF forecast, which was you know comparing him to Matt Ryan. I don't think that's a good comparison. Matt Ryan had had the Falcons in the one seed twice before he even got them to the Super Bowl. And he got the MVP. Um, and Kirk hasn't really had that kind of success yet. I would say you're probably talking about, and this goes back a, a ways, you're probably talking about Brad Johnson. You're talking about Jake DeLome. I think you're talking about Matt Hasselbeck. Guys like that who have taken their team to the Super Bowl who, you know, what what's true about all those teams? Like the Panthers with, with the Panthers at Moose and Muhammad and Steve Smith. The uh, Buccaneers had the one of the best defenses in league history, uh, and and Hasselbeck had Jerry Rice, Daryl Jackson, Corin Robinson, a Vikings uh, legend, by the way, um, and, and others as the wide receivers. So, like, I think the Vikings have the weaponry to do it if they can get above average defensive play by hook or by crook, and Cousins plays as well as he has the last two years. You might have a shot, especially in a division that might be as smooth sailing as they've ever had if Green Bay trades Rodgers and the Bears for some reason start Andy Dalton for more than like a game or two. Or the whole season. Boom. There it is. Lock it in. We're going to the Super Bowl. I heard it here from Eric. Vikings fans, we heard it here first. Eric Eager said the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl. Flip, any final words? Other than we're going to be Super Bowl champions? Hey, I, I got my tickets booked week three and week whenever we play in Los Angeles. So I'm pumped. More travel. Vacation continues. There we go. Miles, any final words? Uh, real quick, back to the Fields thing. I do think the Vikings were in a really shitty situation. They were at pick 14 to move up to pick 11, having to give a future first round pick. Does that not feel like fucking crazy to everybody else? Like, at least for the Bears moving up from 20 to anything inside the top 12, it makes sense to give up a lot of draft capital. The Vikings had to match the Bears to move up three spots. That's crazy to me. So I 100% understand why they didn't do it. Um, anyways, uh, in two weeks, I'll be in Mexico. So I don't I, I don't care about anything. There we go. Uh-oh. 
All the vacation. Well, there it is. Uh, vacations, vacations, some trips. Got to figure out which game I'm making it to this season. And uh, David, are not from David, me. where are you at? David, where's the circle? I'm I know here. we can hold hear on, us. He's running on, the whole hold show. On, hold on. David, He's come back. Drunk. No, well, I'm working on it. <laughs> He's working on it. Here we are. There we go. Just about it. So, David, I saw your comment. Uh, before you play the music, you're taking the over or the under on the Vikings. I'm going over. Without a doubt. Oh. With the combination of what's going on in the division, right, and what potentially could get even worse up in Green Bay. And we all salivate looking for that daily tweet. I just want to. If you um, put money on it, Dave, put money on it because I want to know the second no, he Rogers he's is coming back. The, he's, the second he comes back, you're he's staying. Like, I think he's. I think it's he's not going anywhere. A few weeks ago, I just said he's gone. Now I'm saying he's staying. He's trying to make. If you up think the stuff. Vikings are winning nine or more games, just bet them Week One against Cincinnati. Let it ride. It let it ride. I might do. I bet, bet just might do Cincinnati. that. That'll tell you everything you need to know about the team. All right, I just might do that for you, and uh, and I agree with you that probably will. Those early games will tell us, but I believe with those key players on the defense coming back and them almost doing it last year, I see uh, an improvement on the offensive line. I don't see any major weapons loss. I don't consider Rudy a weapons loss. Yeah, he well, was you great. Just got, you just he got blocked. Catch everything. By the way, you just got blocked. And. Uh, but he was old. He was slow. It's I I, I see them winning more than nine games. Okay, well, it's not odd here. Dave, over. Dave, I wasn't I wasn't trying to call Rudy like this can't miss weapon. They just didn't do anything. Like Rudy isn't a bad player. Wasn't a bad player. They didn't do yeah, anything. But he's to like, slow. He's gotten slow. He's sort of like slow. Thing yeah, but he's wow, gotten Miles slower. Miles is for Kyle Rudolph Rudolph right now. End the show. Hey, no, another tie it in. Miles is really hey, about to go on vacation. We got to shut it down. That's not even what I'm trying David, to say. David, play the music. That's not even what I'm trying Miles to say. Miles out here repping for Rudolph. Play the music, baby. All right, we'll do. Everybody have a good night. Skull! Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Go, everybody.